1: Welcome to Pit Pass Moto, the show that keeps you up to speed on the latest in motorcycling and brings the biggest names in motorcycle racing right to you. I'm Dave Selecki, And I'm
2: PJ Doran. And this week we have Bob DeFranco. Pit Pass Moto, of course, is sponsored by Moto America, America's home for superbike racing. And boy, did we have a good race this past weekend. If you haven't had a chance, get out to the track. You're gonna have a number of chances the remainder of this season. Moto America action is alive. It is happening. They just killed it in Road Atlanta. We've been to Road America, and we're off to points on the schedule. Pit Race is coming up, as well as the Ridge in Washington. Moto America makes it so easy for us as fans to watch the action. Get online. Go to a Moto America Live Plus. Get on their app. It's amazing the coverage. You can watch the entire week's action. We encourage you to get out there. If you don't catch it there, Just go to MotoAmerica.com. They're going to give you all the various ways that you can catch live racing action or wrap-ups or highlights, anything you want to see. And if you do make it to the track, be sure to let them know Pit Pass sent you. Now we've got news on that front as well. In motorcycle racing this past weekend, we had the Road Atlanta Series. Race one, it was an amazing race. Beaubier back on form. He had won well, I guess it would have been three of the previous four races, but Cambobier came out on top in both race one and two, the same podium in both Superbike races. Jake Gagne comes home second in both races, and Matthew Schultz comes home third in both races. That's a double Yamaha sweep of the podium. All R ones on top of the Superbike podium both days. And then, of course, we had Spanish round two of World Superbike. That would be the second round from the very same circuit, Jerez, and this week, race one and race two, he does the double, one Scott Redding, amazing performance in race one. Johnny Ray came home in second, followed by Toprak Razgatlioglu, and our own boy, Garrett Gerloff, Lone American, P11 in race one. Then we had Super Pole race. Johnny Ray took the win in the Super Pole race. Scott Redding came home second on his Ducati, and Michael Vandemark came home third on his R1 with Garrett Gerloff, a solid eighth place in that Super Bowl race. By race two, Scott Redding again did the business, took the podium, top of the podium with Chaz Davis, returned to form in second. And top rock Razgatlioglu took his second, third place of the weekend. Wonderful bit of racing. Uh, can't wait to see more. And at the Moto America event, it is worth noting that Rocco Landers set a lap record in the Twins Cup race qualifying. So, cheers and hats off to Rocco. He's off to a flyer of a season, Dave.
1: Yes, he is. And I saw that uh, second Twins Cup race where uh, Rocco had a little trouble in that last corner. He uh, went a little bit wide, ended up into the uh, air fence. But uh, I think he salvaged third, so he's still on the box. How about that? He's, uh, Rocco has been on the gas all year. But Caleb's been steady, Eddie, man.
2: Yep, and Rocco is continuing to show his form as a racer doing two classes. That kid is clearly the man on the move, and he wants to really leave his mark, not only in our series, but it just feels like he's got his eye on a bigger prize. He's got the kind of talent that the world wants to see for sure.
1: Yeah, I think so too. And uh, what he did in the, in the Liquid Molly Junior Cup was pretty amazing just an all-around fast rider I, I hope he gets the tap on the shoulder and he's and he's slowly moving up into uh, I, I guess what's next 600s and then uh, Superbike or some time yep. on the on the stock 1000s what do you think
2: uh, any of those options are possible so we look forward to seeing it in our own moto America series hopefully we'll get a, another season or two out of the guy before he heads for points unknown. pass moto is brought to you by manscaped the best in men's below the belt grooming manscaped offers precision engineered tools for your family jewels they obsess over their technology developments to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience and i can attest their lawnmower 3.0 is amazing the headlight has been fantastic i haven't gotten lost once in the process you will enjoy it what do you think dave I
1: think the water-resistant technology allows you to groom in the shower, take care of all the
2: hair everywhere, guys. Cultivate what grows wild on your body. It's been an eye-opener, if you will, and I just recommend that you trim that junk of yours.
1: Absolutely. Your partner will thank you. And here's an important point. They are partnered with the Testicular Cancer Society. So, boys, you should be checking your boys at
2: least (laughs) once a month. Your balls will thank you. And... Get 20% off and free shipping with the code PITPASS at manscaped.com. That's 20%, not a small amount, 20% off and free shipping with the code PITPASS at manscaped.com. This week's Pit Pass trivia question is, name the first five-valve production, motorcycle produced. We want to know the brand, the model, and the year. But We'll be back with that answer later.
1: Our guest today on Pit Pass Moto is Bob DeFranco. Now, Bob is the sales manager for both Advanced Sleeve and Wasner Piston North America. And Bob's a longtime industry guy, manages both those brands here in North America. Bob, how's it going? We haven't talked to you in a while.
0: Thanks so much for having me on, guys. I'm, I'm actually a big fan of the show. I just, I actually look forward to listening to your interviews every week. And online, I was looking through your list of, um, you know, interviews, and there's just so many good ones on there. I actually thought that, that Richard Worsham from Janus Motorcycles was really, really cool.
2: Those guys are awesome.
0: Not normally what I'm involved with, but really a motivating interview to listen to.
1: Yeah, I agree. I, I think their whole story is interesting. And what they've done is tap into an area of the market that was underserved to some extent, and just really struck struck a nerve with the right crowd. And uh, they're having great success because of it. I think their their brand is unique and it serves that niche purpose you know and and you can tell the passion when you talk to richard on the phone and you you know how that is you know that feeling of uh people in the industry that eat sleep and breathe motorcycling these guys are the real deal
0: yeah and i i actually went to their website and checked out some stuff too and and it you you get that feeling from their website too so they've translated that vision across really really well but you guys keep up the good work you got some great interviews and I hope I can hold a candle to some of the other ones you've had because they, they've been really good so far.
1: Uh, it's all good, and we appreciate the love for sure. From your perspective, involved with both Advanced Sleeve and uh, Wasner Pistons, so you guys are, or you yourself, are uh, offering cylinder power solutions for power sports applications. What's uh, how's that work for you? I mean, you're you're basically serving two masters, but what do you see out there in the market, and what are the opportunities?
0: Yes, yeah, those are good questions, and I can talk first about Advanced Sleeve. It's it's a really interesting company. Advanced Sleeve started off, I believe it was in the mid-80s, been around 30-some years, and uh, it's a family-run, second-generation family-run company, excellent people. Everything is done in-house in Mentor, Ohio. I know, Dave, you've been to the facility before. They serve a lot of different markets, pretty much mainly the power sports market, but automotive as well and some other industrial and OEM applications, so it's it's kind of a neat business their businesses, it's kind of very evenly met, evenly distributed across all these different markets. But interestingly enough, when all this COVID stuff started, we were kind of concerned. Obviously, there was businesses shutting down people's health was in question. And then about five weeks into it, we just saw this humongous surge in vintage motorcycles, Every anything vintage, just the phone calls wouldn't stop. And we're still sifting through some of that work. It's been really exciting and people are getting kind of back into the industry or getting back into the hobby. And yeah, I had this bike sitting for 20 years. We get that call every day. And so we are able to serve that market whether it's four stroke, two stroke, whatever. And if it's something that we haven't made, we can make it. So we've got some good capabilities with engineering and design and production and supply chain as well, we've got plenty of product on hand. We've got talented folks working in the shop. We're able to turn stuff around pretty quick. and it's, it's really exciting, it's, it's fun, and it's fun to see, you know, an older person or a younger person get excited about their project that they either just found or rediscovered. So we've been really working hard on that in the last couple months, you know, with some of the racing that's been on hold. So the business has shifted maybe a little away from the racing and more into the restoration and resurgence of these old vintage machines. And we've even gotten calls from museums that were restoring cars or motorcycles that need a cylinder solution, and we're able to help them. So it's pretty cool.
1: Well, it's interesting what you say about the vintage market and, you know, the, the resurgence during COVID. It's you're somebody told me once, and I agree with this, is you're you're basically you're helping somebody relive a memory. You're not so much selling a sleeve for a motorcycle engine. You're basically giving that person the ability to rebuild the vehicle that they always wanted when they were a teenager and couldn't afford. So they've gone out and bought it and now they're restoring it to its original condition. So that's a neat niche that I think advanced sleeve serves. Now, how does that tie into what you're doing on the Wasner side, Wasner Piston, North America?
0: Well, you know, it's been a similar similar scenario at Wasner as well. We've had, the initial hit was kind of weird because nobody knew what to expect. And then what's, what has happened is, you know, obviously, as you've seen in other industries, the business kind of shifted away from brick and mortar dealers. Really into online retail, and luckily there's been a lot of good brick and mortar dealers that were able to that were either in process of making that transition or had already made it. So they were operating kind of out of their storefronts, but as well online. And thankfully, because we don't certainly don't want to see any of them go out of business, but they were forced to find new ways to sell, or you know, no longer be in existence. And, and luckily, many many of them have not only adapted well, but helped other dealers along the way. I don't want to say save the industry, but the industry took a little dip and then it, it just shot up from there. And I think everyone has seen that across the board, new bike sales are through the roof. You know, David, you and I have gone out riding a couple of times. We've seen a lot of new faces at the tracks and the trails, which is, you know, hopefully what we, that's what we want to see is people getting excited about riding like we all did when we were younger. And, That should be good for our current and future markets. Hopefully, more of the same. And you know, again, not not to minimize what's going on with this health concern across the country, because it's scary. But people are spending more time with their immediate families or close knit groups and getting out and experiencing the outdoors. You know, doing kind of what we all enjoy doing, and I think that's good. So, even the racing series are starting to make some adaptations to get the competitors back out there to try and fulfill sponsor, you know, requirements and And give us something we can at least watch on TV, which is pretty good, too. So the industry has changed, you know, more than we ever thought it would. But at the same time, hopefully a a good trend of it moving forward, you know, in a positive way.
2: Bob, you touched on what I found interesting uh, was your ability or your company's abilities to react to potentially changing uh, demands. Are you... So I work in the uh, power sports industry at a multi-line dealership, and what we are seeing absolutely mirrors what you're talking about, demand through the roof. Sadly, we're finding supply chain issues that I think we're just beginning to see really the ramifications of supply chain issues that foreseeably could be a bigger deal. Is that impacting your industry in any way clearly if you're talking about a flexible ability to adapt you're probably talking about made in america product is that something you can speak to or made in america engineering if nothing else how is that playing out for you guys
0: for me it's a two-part question because i work for two companies the one advanced sleeve is an american company and, and thankfully family has done a really really good job with their supply chain we do use a lot of american made materials but we also do source some things from overseas you know depending on different spec materials that are needed for different jobs. But yes, we actually have a very strong supply chain. And, you know, thankfully, they reacted very quickly and got, got some extra purchase orders in. So we never really ran in, into any kind of supply chain issue, but our sales have gone up. And, uh, it's, it, you know, we, we kind of needed to do that. Again, we did shift away from a little bit away from automotive only because the racing market kind of went on hold for a while. We do a lot in the, in the uh, automotive race market so that time and attention's kind of gone back into, like I was talking about earlier with bike restorations, you know, we're we're seeing vintage jet skis or, or watercraft come out, vintage snowmobiles, all kinds of just strange things. I had a guy call today that was restoring a um, an old uh, go-kart that he was an old, I think it was 100cc go-kart, parts are no longer made, we were able to help him out, so, you know, it was almost you know, we're not even charging that much. And he, he was almost willing to pay anything he could because he had no other options to get this thing back up and running. So that part's been fun. Kind of shifting over to the Wasner side, washer is actually a German manufactured company. And we have a lot more of a worldwide supply chain for, for that company. Now, the, the majority of the product is forged racing pistons. And those we have total control over from start to finish. We buy the material, uh, the raw material. We do all the forgings and everything ourselves, so that's all done in Germany. But we ran into a few little catches with, you know, borders being closed and things like that. But overall, our supply has been very, very good and our manufacturing teams have been thankfully very healthy. And, you know, our manufacturing facilities took a lot of precautions early on. We do have a facility in Italy that we had to close for a couple of weeks. Luckily, our staff there has been been healthy and no one's been impacted.
2: Well, that's good news. And first of all, kudos to you and your company, companies, for not profiteering in the situations when someone's willing to pay whatever, whatever it's worth because we're seeing it. I'm seeing it at the dealership level. That same story plays out. Customer wants something that is readily <laughs> unavailable anywhere else. They're willing to pay extra and it's going to, I think, define any part, every part of the industry. If you do or do not willfully uh, take advantage in situations where you certainly could, I think it's in everyone's best interest not to do that. It's easy to say. I know. And it's easy, I would assume, for pick a dealership, pick an industry uh, supplier, it would be easy for them to justify profiteering when uh, it's just going to be in the in no one's best interest. I think we all agree, but it's it's uh, still worthwhile to say, uh, again, kudos to you and yours for acting appropriately and in the better interest of all of us uh, in the industry. It can only help long-term to be able to say, yeah, we didn't do something uh, <laughs> amoral when it could have easily been explained away.
0: Yeah, it kind of reminds me of the I hate to say this, but the whole hand sanitizer deal, how that the cost of that stuff is quadrupled. Not saying that they weren't facing some fl- supply chain issues because obviously they all their demand went up through the roof and I'm sure some of their supply of their raw materials were impacted as well. But unless we have a major cost of material increase, we're not gonna operate that way. Either company and we try to be fair, we understand that every price point and everything too. And you know, these things are for most people, for most people like all of us, we we are involved with the industry, but it's our hobby, it's our passion, and you know we don't want to see people have to put that on the back burner because okay, you know they're 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 knocking they're adding twenty percent on this week because nobody we can get anything, and that's not how we operate. And plus, you know, you have people calling up that maybe are bummed out a little bit, they're out of work, and they got a little bit of money, and they're willing to to put it into a project. It kind of keeps you focused. You know, if we can help with that in some way, we try and do that. I appreciate you saying that, PJ. And. I do remember you being uh, working at, at dealership over there and, and uh, I'm glad that you guys are seeing the same thing because I've, I've talked to a lot of dealerships all across the country and even in other countries and we're, we're seeing a lot of the same thing across the whole U.S. So, and or I should say across the whole world. So um, other than areas that are dramatically impacted by this, there's been like a good vintage resurgence and people are dying to get out and race too, which we're hoping leads us into like, I know Moto America is a, Big supporter of your show. I'm hoping that you know they can start seeing some up uptick in in their events as well. So, as well as all the other series that are out there.
1: Absolutely, Bob. And I, I think, uh, I think your business does touch on Moto America to some extent, and that uh, there are several classes that you guys are involved in supplying components. Is that true?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, it, really interesting, um, and, and I, I apologize. I don't know what the status of, of as of the uh, drag specialist king of the baggers deal, but I know that advanced we have built quite a few sets of specialty cylinder sleeves specifically for that race. So you know, again, those bikes are—they're going to be doing things with those bikes that you and I both know they were, and and PJ, you know, were not intended for.
1: I am so looking forward to seeing that, though.
0: <laughs> I think it's going to be kind of cool. So I we, think so too. Some, I mean. Yeah, I mean, there, there's some guys that are putting, or some, I shouldn't say guys, some, some organizations are putting together some really hot rod machines. So it'll be neat to see how they, how they perform and how they hold up. And, and you know, the good thing is whenever we do things like this as an industry, we learn, you know, we're going to, we're going to break parts. We're going to see things that we never saw before, but we're going to learn from it. And I think that's good for the public because when we push the envelope like that, things break, you know, we, we find that we find the outer edge of what something can do. And then we can engineer that back into, as you know, Dave, you know, being a, a product line manager for many years, we put that back into the product, hopefully. So that's the plan. But yeah, the the uh, King of the Baggers, we've done some things for the Twins twins Cup and and uh, the Heritage as well. A lot of vintage bikes where parts are no longer available, we're able to reproduce original quality parts depending on the need for just about anything. So that it's been really cool. We have had a lot of people call and say, Hey, this is the class I'm racing. This is all I can do. I can't do anymore. Can you do this? And in most cases, we are able to do that for them.
1: Yeah, and I think a lot of those classes and cases, they're trying to take that engine to the let's say the CC displacement limit, or at least as close as they can, you know, get to point nine CCs of the of the limit. So that's where you guys can come in with you know, a sleeve solution and possibly a piston solution and then get them on the racetrack.
2: Is there new technology that impacts the production of what would otherwise be a vintage, described as a vintage part? Are you bringing new technology, uh, material technology to this area?
0: Yeah, as far as as the vintage stuff goes, for sure. And like I said, like going into like your, for example, the Moto America Heritage Cup stuff, you know, a lot of those original bikes, they they had cast iron material on the cylinders. And depending on the rules, When you get into different ARMA and and Moto America and different classes, depending on how open ended the rules are, we we have some other materials that we can use that are actually better than, obviously better than cast iron, whether it's a ductile iron or we've even got some special beryllium based like Formula One material that's super expensive, but it's really good. So it it depends on the, it depends on each, you know, group's rules. And we don't always know where everything's going because sometimes someone will call up and go, and you build the X, and they don't even tell us what it's for. And it's like, as long as they have the specifications correct, we build it for them. So, you know, people are testing all the time and doing different things. But yeah, what we learn making it for people and, and getting feedback from them, which Dave, you know, you've been really intimately involved with or in the past, we do bring that back and say, hey, for this vintage application, this might work. Or we might learn something about a vintage application. Like, for example, we've been using forged aluminum sleeves that we've been building that can be plated. As a way to restore, like the old 500cc two-strokes, where you know they were cast iron, they had a tendency of, Dave, as you know, being pretty rough on, you know, especially the air-cooled stuff, pretty rough on pistons. And we found that these forged aluminum liners with plating and and you know correct shapes and everything w- between the piston and the sleeve can make a big difference on the life of those bikes. So that's been fun because the vintage guys, the vintage crowd, is really really in that, and that's just been a new thing that we've been able to bring into the vintage market that we kind of learn just
1: through testing and racing. Yeah, and a lot of that, you're right. I think uh, applying those new technologies and, and thoughts towards old vintage designs gives them advantages that you wouldn't have before. And I just remember projects I worked on in the past with Jack Roush, the NASCAR team owner, also did a thing called Race Across America, where they basically took Model A's and uh, raced them across the United States. And they were the old Ford flathead four-cylinder engines. And Jack, you know, he couldn't leave anything alone. So he had same thing. He had, uh, I think, uh, Nicosil liners applied to the to the cylinder bores. We designed some very, very exotic piston designs where we took modern technology and thought, and applied it towards uh, towards a piston solution along with uh, piston rings. and. So, now you have a Ford Flathead that rather than probably made 40 horsepower, now is making 80 horsepower and making it rather happily, I guess, for lack of a better word. Just by, like you said, applying those modern technologies and thoughts towards, you know, Mm -hmm. these older engine applications, which is pretty cool when you see it run. Because we're all gearheads at heart. and We want to see it make smoke. But, uh, yeah, so um, we'd like to... uh, Uh, wrap it up here, Bob, we appreciate you coming on the show and talking to us about state of the industry and current trends and cylinder sleeves and pistons and letting us know what's going on. Is there anybody that you want to give a shout out to before we uh, wrap up here today?
0: Yeah, especially, first of all, thank you guys for um, continuing to put a, a quality show together every week. You know, it's interesting. You guys try to find good industry folks to talk to. And, you know, for someone who's maybe new in the industry, this is a great place to go to learn and you know, listen to the interviews, whether it's a racer or someone who works in the industry, where you can learn something and apply it. You know, we're, we're big into sharing data and sharing information. So, except when it comes to super secret racing stuff, we, we want people to be successful. So, I really like the show. So, thank you guys for doing that every week. And you know, I also like to obviously thank the folks over at Advanced Sleeve, the family, I and mean, all the guys in the shop. We're a really top-notch organization. And uh, as well, the the uh, folks overseas at, at Wasser in Germany that that make and manufacture our pistons and and some of our other components feels like it's across the world, but you know we're very close. We receive shipments from them several times a week, and you know appreciate their quality, their attention to detail, and the way that they do things is great. So, and our team over here in the states too is really second to none. We've got a great group we're putting together, and. We're just trying to get better every day. so hopefully we we can do that. And if you guys ever have an interest in those any of those products, whether it's advanced sleeve or western pistons, you know please give us a call or look us up online and we're we're glad to, to try and help you with your project if we can.
1: Absolutely, Bob, and uh, thank you again for coming on the show and and uh, doing what you do and talking about what you do. You're welcome back to the show anytime.
0: Okay, great. thanks.
2: This week's Pit Pass trivia question was, name the first five-valve production motorcycle produced brand, model, and year. Of course, the answer was the 1984 Yamaha FZ750, gray and red, an amazing motorcycle. Unfortunately for Yamaha, it had a very, very short reign in the technological tour de force that it was, thanks to a couple of developments in the market at the very same moment. Honda pretty much dropped the Interceptor, the VF series at that exact moment, and Kawasaki was right there with their Ninjas. And, of course, Suzuki in 86 dropped the GSXR 750, pretty much moving the FC 750 to also-ran status. I'm a huge fan of the bike. I was then. My brother and I owned a number of the variants of that bike, but it was unfortunately rather outclassed by the GSXR so quickly. Yeah, that Gixxer was uh, it. Their whole thing was lightweight. I think they
1: revolutionized super bike racing when they introduced that motorcycle. And the Honda was cool, the V four, but it was heavy compared to you know what Suzuki had coming.
2: Absolutely, the the FC was. It was a very short moment in the sun. Some very fast racers that went on to great success did wonderful things on the bike. But again, it just things were happening so fast in the mid 80s in the sport bike segment that the big news of the five valve genesis engine was only big news for about five minutes comparatively and then it was off to the next newest greatest thing although one can say that five valve motor made it a long 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 time it stuck around in the moto gp era as well it was yamaha's claim to fame, and they absolutely had five-valve GP motors in the early 2000s until it, it just became technology that they couldn't argue the advantages of for the amount of expense, I presume.
1: Yeah, and that's actually the, uh, the cylinder head platform that launched the four-stroke dirt bike revolution back in 1998 on the YZ400F and they continued that on, Yamaha did, up until uh, 2013 with the YZ250F. They faced it out on the 450, I think in 2010, but still, I, they got a lot of miles out of that engine and it's still used in the, uh, in the quad, in the four-wheeler, the, the YFZ450R.
2: Yep, they definitely got their money's worth out of their R&D experiment that was the 5-5 Genesis head. In upcoming road racing news, we've got a big, big weekend. Globally, nationally ahead of us, MotoGP going to the Czech Republic this coming weekend, August the eighth. Moto America, we've got pit race that's at Pittsburgh, August seven through nine, and then the next race for Moto America, of course, will be the Ridge at the end of August out in Washington. World Superbike also racing this weekend. August 7th through the 9th, they're calling it the Portugal GP. So they will be in Portugal. There's a lot of road racing. Can't wait to talk about it with you next week. What do we got in the off-road world, Dave?
1: Well, we got the big news. This week is the ranch at Loretta Lins. They've got the amateur nationals going on. It starts actually tomorrow. Racing starts tomorrow and runs through Saturday. And then in two weeks, we come back to the ranch to kick off the AMA Outdoor Motocross National. That's coming up August 15th followed by the rest of the schedule, a short uh, nine round schedule. But hopefully this, uh, this time around, we're gonna get it in. I'm looking forward to it.
2: We all are, and it's worth mentioning, American Flat Track Racing will also be happening in the month of August. They have announced August 21 through 22. They're going back to the Indy Mile, which is historic for the American Flat Track Series, has often been a race in their calendar. They're going back there partnering with the Indy 500 the very same weekend. So they're going to have some really good exposure there at the Indianapolis Fairgrounds, State Fairgrounds. Yeah, that's going to be awesome. Looking forward to seeing that. Absolutely. If you're downed in Indy for uh, the 500, don't miss the opportunity to catch the fastest dudes on dirt. Get out there and see them at the Indianapolis State Fairgrounds.
1: Thank you again to our guests for being with us today and thank you for tuning in. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app where you'll get alerts when new episodes are uploaded. If you have a moment, please rate and review us. It really helps us out a ton and lets us know if we're talking about what you guys want to hear. Make sure you're also following us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram and pitpassmoto.com where you can check out our
2: all-new blog. This has been a production of Evergreen Podcasts. A special thank you to Tommy Boy Halverson, Chris Bishop, producer Leah Longbreak, and audio engineer Eric Colt. Now, I'm PJ. And I'm Dave. See you next week. Keep the sunny side up. Sports stars. They're like superheroes. Superheroes. But they're actually real. Which is why we've made a podcast about them. You see... They've all got a story. But too many of these stories were cut short. Colby Bryant. Payne Stewart. Flojo. Phil Hughes. Justin You. We're writing episodes about all of them.
1: And sadly, many more.
2: Death of a Sports Star. A new series from Crowd Network.